free. It's time to be informed so we can be transformed. Welcome to my podcast. It's your girl, P.E. I'm so glad you can join me. It's time to talk. So we're on this relentless journey together. I want you to know that a forgiving heart is a brave heart. I know I've been talking a lot about the stuff that I've come through and the difficulties. It's been kind of hard. Today is a little better day because God has ministered to my heart about release. And so I want to talk to you about that. You know, forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it does enlarge your future. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner is really you. You know, Matthew 6 and 14 says that if we forgive, or if we forgive the sins of other people, then our Father will forgive us. Did I mention that the Bible is full of scandal? Yeah, it is. Did I mention that there's a lot of betrayal inside that Bible in the lines of those scriptures? And so I was reminded of Joseph. I was reminded of how he was betrayed by his brothers. Jealousy. Whoa. Jealousy caused him to throw him into a pit. Jealousy caused him to plot a murder that they couldn't even pull off and to throw him into this pit as an idea. You know, I, I can relate to that story. But see, a lot of people don't want to admit that competitive jealousy can be in a marriage. Well, that was in the marriage that I had, 18 years, competitive jealousy. And look, I was in denial. I wanted to deny that I was seeing the red flags there. When I would go sing and, oh, my God, we'll find ways to dial me back if I was successful in in a women's meeting. And hundreds of women showed up and we got to dial back if I got on a national stage and who would wave like it was okay and then be secretly fuming. Hey, that was the Saul and David chase. I had experienced that in my marriage. And many of you listening to me now have experienced that in some relational dynamic. It can be in your marriage. It can be um, mother, daughter. It's sad to say father, son. It's sad to say, but it's real. As long as there's a devil loose, as long as there's evil in the world, competitive jealousy will have a seat in the world. We just got to know when we're looking at it and how to take it to God. And so David dealt with it with Saul. Saul had a need of him, but yet couldn't stand him. Man, I relate to that too. See, now you know why I was madly in love with my Bible. Oh God, I didn't need empire scandal. I had enough drama in my life and I had enough examples in that word. Anyway, that's true. We're just talking here. So yeah, like Joseph, he had this amazing favor on his life that he didn't even fully understand. Have you ever been in a place where you really didn't fully understand what was on you, but somebody else saw it, saw it. And instead of them highlighting that for you to help you understand what it is is on you, that's on you. They hate you for it. Well, that was my life. That was in my marriage. I was growing, you know, we were planning a church and my God, it was two years in when I realized that my husband needed help. And so even though I didn't feel like much of a pastor and was very ordained as one, 
I um, was the pastor behind the curtains making executive moves, having to do something I didn't really feel I had a natural grace for, but I feel, feel like God supernaturally graced me to do for that moment. Now, I believe I have a pastoral heart, but lead pastor? No. So I had to be the wizard behind the curtain, pulling strings. And so the more I did that, the more I submitted, the more... I submitted in the things that I was going through. The more I, there was a type of favor and a grace and anointing that was growing upon my life. I mean, women would come from cities all over just to come into a meeting. Pastors, wives, and women in leadership would come into a meeting, bring women that they influence. And oh my God, the presence of God would just rush the place. He would show up and I knew that God had favored me, but I didn't know to what degree? I had no idea. I was too busy just being me, a person madly in love with God, loving people, being myself. So in being myself, envy grew in the heart of someone that didn't check it. It happened to be, you ever heard the movie Sleeping with the Enemy? That's what my life was like. It's like I was sleeping, sleeping with the enemy. Someone I love. So my biggest threat was right next to me. And so, man, I can relate to Joseph. So Joseph was favored of his father. And, and as he was going to send to get, give lunch to his brothers, so eager to give lunch to them, they were so mad that he didn't seem to work as hard as they did to get what he needed. I didn't seem to have to work that hard. It was like a God's anointing and his grace, the all. The all makes it easy. Um, he, God can trust me. <laughs> he knew I would do whatever I needed to do. How did I earn that trust? I was nobody special. I wasn't perfect. I want to, there's no halo. That trust was earned every time there was an injustice done to me, but I chose to be more like Christ. Every time I had an opportunity to get even, to find revenge, I decided to lean in my word and to be more like Christ. Every time I had an opportunity to justify myself, I let God rectify my issues. So God said, yeah, I can trust her. So he started making the things I do easy because I was already bench pressing life. Joseph had that. What it looks like, like ease, the favor of the father. His brothers were fuming. They were angry. They said, let's kill him. They plotted. You know, you're going to have people in life who look at you and don't understand the smile, don't understand the pressures behind the smile, don't understand the weight that you carry. Joseph's mother died. They had their mom. He had to grow up with just the father. Nobody understood that dynamic. You know, I looked at the scriptures different. I said, who understood the fact that this young man might have been grieving over the fact that I get to be raised straight by a father? My mother gone. You have your mom. No one looked at the pressures that he had to lift. No one looked at the fact that I grew up a certain way and that I have to go through some different abuses to wear the smile that I was wearing, to operate in the favor that I was operating in, to be on the front line of God's favor. So a lot of people rose up in envy. Some of them were ladies who had a false admiration, excuse me, and said, man, I like her. I can't stand her, though. So they made their sights and beeline to see how they were going to wreck my family. 
And um, of course, they had to get permission through the person who was in the covenant. So for those of you who's dealing with someone who has um, invaded your marriage, hey, look, somebody has to give them access to it. Remember that. And so only the people in the covenant can destroy the covenant. That's what I told one of the young ladies who came to hug me and said, I'm sorry, did I destroy your marriage? I said, absolutely not. You don't have that power. (laughs) Only the people in the covenant can destroy the covenant. Anyway, Joseph, we're talking about him, right? Not me. (laughs) Joseph was envied by his brother. They begin to plot. Let's kill him. He gets, he makes us sick with that coat, that coat. Well, one of the brothers said, well, the father, you know how, you know, dad might get real mad. Well, the father might feel some kind of way. Let's just say, um, oh, let's just put him in the pit. Let's not really kill him, but let's make his life hell. Let's put him, let's oppress him. Oh, did you catch that? Let's oppress him. Let's throw him in the pit. Take his coat and said he was killed. So that I guess maybe they thought they would earn the father's favor by murdering Joseph. Boy, that sounds like me. No, but we're talking about Joseph, right? You're going to earn the father's favor if I kill his shine. Maybe the father will shine on me. Lord, that sounds like some Cain and Abel stuff. But um, that was actually some of my life dynamic. So this whole divorce situation that I had to face. Well, this man read a letter and said, my wife is wonderful. She's reached for me without fail. She's pure. I'm no longer in love with her, though. There's no third party involvement. Lies they tell. Said that to to the congregation. Here I was being dismissed out of a work I have found. Help work hard in. I guess he thought if he killed my shine, the father would favor him. If you're listening to this and you're one of those people, it never works. Murdering somebody else never makes you great. And so I found out that since murderers, you, you don't become great by killing other people, then I can't become great by taking vengeance and taking this in my hand. So we're no different than the people that oppress us when we find ways to kill them. So see, this journey that I'm documenting has nothing about nothing to do about murdering somebody. It's, it's about liberating myself because they overcome by the blood of the uh, lamb and the word of their testimony. I got to tell it. I can't save myself and watch you die on the vine. I got to tell you how I came over. I have to tell you how I end up smiling, how, how authentic the smile is. I have to tell you how I found peace. I want to tell you how I found freedom. I want to tell you how I found joy. Well, I decided not to avenge myself. So Joseph dealt with this same process, dropped in the prison, found himself a slave now. Whoa, have you ever been a slave to the victimization of your life? <laughs> yeah, that means your mind can't stop thinking and rehearsing. It's all they've done to you. Man, there's so many things in the Bible I can pull that's going to really bless your life. But let's just stick with Joseph for now. He became a slave to that injustice. Now he's in Potiphar's house. He finds a little bit of favor, even in that situation of being oppressed. Whoa, the favor just wouldn't stop. Now, if you will start working, letting God systematically heal you, then the favor won't stop. I refuse to die 
I, I didn't want to die by a man's injustice, but I definitely didn't want to die because of bitterness. And I let me tell you the truth. Bitterness rose up in me many times. I wanted to do some things. I needed to take care of it myself, but God wouldn't let me. Sometimes his love will hold you and constrain you to see that he loves you. It'll keep you from hurting yourself. He'll save you from yourself. And so why you're mad because you feel like a punk, because you don't feel like you can go take vindicate yourself. God is protecting you. So that was me. So that was a measure of favor. So now he's in Potiphar's house. And guess what? That same spirit. If I can't use you, then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to set you up. So here's Potiphar's wife trying to seduce him. And he still have to hold on to his integrity. Yes, when we're broken and we've fallen ourselves, finding ourselves in some, some oppressive situations, the next technique that the devil uses is one of seduction. Let me seduce you into a new type of bondage. And when you resist that, you can find yourself falling into a whole nother pit situation. At this time, this pit is a prison. Falsely accused. <laughs> yeah, that makes you real angry. And I know many of you listening to me, you've dealt with that false accusation. People making up stuff to make themselves look innocent, to make themselves look pure, to act like they never did an injustice to you. Man, I was angry because after I was dismissed out of the church. It was a rumor going around. I had destroyed the person. And oh, I'm tearing their name up. I bet you, you don't know their name. At least I didn't tell you. What I'm saying is, I was angry. Because I was like, how much more can I take? <laughs> oh, God. I know you feel me. Joseph felt the same way. In prison for something he hadn't done. Here I was in a holding pattern. A holding cell. But can I tell you something? Here's... Some of you need to know the prison has purpose. There are people to meet in prison. There's people to help set free in prison. So yeah, my prison became a place of ministry. Once I've got over licking my own wounds. Yeah, I didn't want to get out of bed either. I was, I didn't want to face the world either. I had to take melatonin just to go to sleep. Sleep aid, aids at night and Tons of coffee in the morning. Yeah. But then I started taking walks. Taking long prayer walks and exercising and talking to God. And he started telling me to share it with other people. Pour the word out on other people. Kind of like Joseph. He interpreted dreams in the prison. There's going to be a few people who are going to forget what you did for them while you were yet down. So see, after the church was... Um, dismantled there was a remnant of this church and I had to be a good spiritual mother and spiritual leader I touched people's lives so for nine months I carried the remnant not because I broke up something because they were going to be shattered and scattered and I at least needed to help them come over on broken pieces so I started what I call echo community which is still a viable entity by the way it's just not a church. It wasn't a church then. It was just a safe place for people to grow. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like small groups of sorts, just in different states. And a lot of my mentees are connected to that. So Echo Community was just echoing the sentiments of heaven into the hearts of men. And that's what I did. So I was finding healing while helping other people heal. Don't be selfish. If you'll find a way to release that, 
on to helping other people. It'll help you not to be resentful. And I'm not telling you you'll be totally whole right away. Because you may not be. But what I am telling you. What I am telling you is. Um, God to use that season in the prison. To season you. While helping you to release others. There are going to be some that never remember you. They're going to forget about you. They're going to forget about the touch that you gave them. They're going to forget about what you gave them out of your own need. They're going to walk away. Be okay. I know. It hurts. It feels like another layer of betrayal. Like, I gave out of my need. Man, how many people are going to screw me? Here, pass out the Vaseline. At least that's how I felt. <laughs> God helped me to see that differently. See, there's a blessing in betrayal, but it's all about our perspective. It's how we see it. And so God was busy teaching me how to see it. Because that's how he saw it. And that's what brought us victory through salvation and on the cross. And so, um, yeah, so Joseph was forgotten about. He told them specifically, remember me. And they didn't. So God knows how to stir up a little trouble at the top just to get somebody to start looking for you, to start digging for an answer. And that answer is found in you. So Pharaoh was stir crazy by dreams. That nobody, none of his counsel could help him with. Great. That's when the cupbearer remembers something. That's when Pharaoh of uh, the Potiphar remembers something and vouches. Wait, the man that threw you in prison vouches for you? Yes. And here comes Joseph, second in charge, next to the man himself. Now, that's not the part I wanted to talk about. The part is that now you're second in charge for what reason? Why are you on top? Let me let you know something. I told you before, forgiving heart is a brave heart. It's a heart full of courage. God, not only did I tell you that, I told you forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it enlarges the future. But why is my future enlarged? Well, God started doing some things with me. I was dropped in a situation, homeless, instantly evicted out of my place to live, put out of my church. Lord. Being on my own for the first time ever, the only man I ever been with, the only, I was a kid when I married. I didn't know what it was like to be an adult um, on my own, never had my own apartment. Here I am now having to raise my children who are young adults, almost college bound on my own. You know, I was petrified, but God took me up, led me to a little place where I found this beautiful little condo that we made home. Yeah, um, God started showing me little pockets of favor, more and more favor. People calling me from different states that remembered my love, my kindness towards them. And they started to show me kindness back. And oh, and if you're listening and you're one of those people, oh God, I'm forever grateful to you. Thank you. They would take me to get food for my family and my kids. And I started to get my footing and realize I could do this. And I heard God says, for such a time as this. Your future has been enlarged, but not for your own, your own reasons. From the second seat, oh, he had to learn how to forgive because now his family was in trouble. And now it was making sense. You had to be betrayed, rejected, betrayed, and sold into a type of slavery and oppression just so you can be an answer. Oh, am I helping somebody? I know you're listening, but what if... What you've went through, the hell you went through was about you being the answer. I know that's, you don't want to hear that. It hurts. I know, I know, I empathize, not sympathize. I went through this. 
We're talking about Joseph. I mean, me. <laughs> yeah. From the place of influence now, you have to forgive. And you have to make room for even people who hurt you. I didn't find no help raising my children. Still don't. But with God, God helped me and the people he used. I could have went and ramshacked and did all kind of other things, but I did not. All I did is continue to trust God day by day. I could have just told everybody in the world how bad it really is. But somehow God keeps coming in and making it good. So it feels great to know that I'm in his hands. So anyway, we're just having a conversation about me. Got a little tough for a moment. But I understand Joseph. He had a hard time forgiving, so he had to put that test to see if his brothers were still the same. Some of you are being hurt because you're throwing out this line, trying to test the water. They still hateful. Um, sometimes you just got to let go and to God give you what it is that you need to do about that situation. I had to let go. Yeah, 20 years of my life, two decades of my life, the very precious beginnings of my life. I have to realize my best days are ahead of me. And even though it looked like I lost a lot, I actually gained a lot, a lot of wisdom, a lot of understanding. So healing is systematic, just as forgiveness is systematic. You will have to wake up tomorrow and say, I released them. And I receive the ability to forgive. Until one day you wake up and that's no longer necessary. But don't condemn yourself because you can't let it go in one whop. I want you to forgive yourself for not being a superhero. <laughs> yeah. The devil now wants to use your inability to be God in your own life as a type of plague and a type of chain and a type of oppression. Now you become your own abuser. Unforgiveness is like taking poison and praying that the next person who hurts you dies. Newsflash, they won't die, you will. So you might as well forgive yourself for not being a superhero and just say, today is a harder day today. But I'm waking up, I'm choosing. Just like love is a choice. At some, and some measure is more than a feeling. So it's forgiveness. You have to choose to do it. It's more than a feeling. In spite of my feelings, I choose to release them today in spite of my feelings and I'm about to cry this is crazy I told you I wouldn't do this I choose to release her today her and her and her and her and if you're on the line you I forgive you if you're listening I truly forgive you I choose to just like I chose to love I hope I'm encouraging somebody today I want you to know that Jesus knew betrayal, Joseph knew betrayal, and there's a few more in that Bible that I can unearth for you and unpack. It's like I walked through that whole deal just for you. Now I understand. Why not me be betrayed? Why not me shed those tears? Why not me be homeless multiple times just so I can tell you it's going to be fine? You're going to live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. Just breathe, release, and remember, choose to do it systematically. Forgive yourself. You are not stupid. You're not a chump. You're the bravest heart I know. It's your girl, P.E. 
Share this podcast. Interact with it. Drop a testimony. Somebody needs you. Help me spread the word that we are overcomers. We don't have to die right here. I love you dearly. Until next time, stay healed, safe, and whole. Bye-bye now. Hey there, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. I'm there. Yeah. Or go to my website at ericaworldwide.com. Join my circle of friends. Together, we can change the world. So glad you tuned in. Hello, my friend. It's time for us to have that chat again. I hope you're ready for what I have to say on this morning. So I got up early just to share with you in, a, in another segment of a forgiving heart is a brave heart. A forgiving heart is a brave heart. It takes courage to forgive. And you know what? It's not enough to say to someone, you need to forgive. I'm tired of hearing people say, forgive, 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 or let go, make sure you're well. Well, how do I do that? What's the how in it? So I begin to ask God, how do I forgive? And I got a crazy revelation that forgiveness starts with self-evaluation. Forgiveness starts with how I see myself. How I see myself determines my perspective on this thing. You can't be relentless if you don't have a healthy perspective on this betrayal. You can't see the blessing in betrayal if you can't see it right. If you don't know the why, it's the why we search for. That's the why is what we want to know. Uh, the closure we look for. Sometimes, sometimes forgiveness is forgiveness without having someone come tell you they're sorry. You may not ever find closure with man, but you can find closure with God. And so I asked God, I said, Lord, I need closure on this. And he brought closure to me. He said, Erica, there was a thief and a murderer on the cross next, next to the precious Savior. Savior in the middle and on the side of him was a thief and on the other side was a murderer. He said, which one were you? It's like, which one, which one was me? Uh, I got to choose from two ratchet sources. So which one was you? I said, well, if I got to choose that, then I guess I'm just the thief who's crazy enough to ask you to remember me. And that's when the Lord ministered to me. He said, the same grace that you're crazy enough to ask for 
is the grace that I'll provide for those who those who hurt you, those who betray you, if they crazy if they're crazy enough to ask me for it. He said, "Forgive them for being stubborn and not seeing the grace that they need." Cuz see, once they receive grace, they can give grace. But people who don't know how to receive grace can't give grace. And people who don't know how to receive mercy can't give mercy. We'll be angry for the rest of our life waiting on a rock to feel. That's powerful. So I realized that God was telling me, don't wait for the rock to have feelings. Just because you woke up and have some. He reminded me that I'm operating under a grace. So I can take away, so I can get rid of the spirit of entitlement. And if you were like me, look, I did everything I needed to do in my marriage. If you've listened to many of my episodes, then you know I went to a crazy divorce, a humiliating public divorce. And um, where I was put out a church planted work that we have done for five years. And that 20 years of my life was invested 18 years of it being marriage if you were listening then you'll know that I knew betrayal from a church hurt perspective and I knew betrayal from a marital perspective and so I knew humiliation from a a, a public perspective you know and so here I was praying and I was a great look great wife I'm not toot my own horn I loved well perfect no great yes devoted yes loyal beyond trouble yes I tell you what I felt entitled somebody gonna pay me because I they owe it they owe me but the first thing that God dealt with in me was my spirit of entitlement by giving me a revelation that hey I'm just operating in grace. Then I thought about something else that was tripped out. I said, he said, well, what did the thief live before I granted him access into the kingdom? Mm, Good question. He lived a ratchet, crazy life. What did he do to earn what Jesus gave him on the cross? Nothing. All he did is have a heart change. He looked at Jesus and realized this this must be somebody important. I want him to remember me. And he decided on that cross in the middle middle of holding the consequences of his own life. Hey, let me exchange it right now. Can you remember me when you get in your kingdom? So he had a heart change. So that let me know right there that no matter how good my works were, I have to guard what matters is my heart. See, we will forfeit our heart, our pure heart, and our posture with God for the right to protect our works. Hey, yeah, you did good, and you might have did well by them. And you're probably angry because now your works is what you got in your mind. I I did this. I did that. I did this. Y'all know. I did that, and this is what they do. Don't, Don't forfeit a right heart and a right posture with God. For the, for the right to protect your works. Oh, for you scholars. I got Bible on it. So Samuel, the prophet Samuel, was grieving over Saul. 
the king who had disgraced God, the king and who he anointed. That was another revelation God gave me. He was grieving over Saul. And I was trying to figure out why is this grown man crying over a man? And then the Lord came to him and said, Samuel, how long will you weep over Saul in whom I've rejected? What? How long would you weep over Saul and whom I've rejected? Some of you, your marriages have fallen apart and maybe it's not even just marriage. You got relational breaches in your family and in your workplace, your best friend, that thing messed up, you know, your children. Betrayal is betrayal in whatever dynamic you find it. Hurt is hurt. Pain is pain. And so here it is, this prophet, this anointed man crying over this king. And I said, what made him cry over this king? And then, of course, the Lord said, take up your horn and feel it up again. I have another. Wait, I realized the prophet Samuel was crying over his investment. The time he invested in helping prepare Saul to be a righteous king. Saul screwed it up. You cannot make decisions for other people. And you can't sit there and weep over the time you put into trying to be everything that you needed to be to make sure they were the best they could be. You got to get up. Fill that horn again with oil. (laughs) Oil? Grace? Anointing? There's grace for another Yeah, that's grace for another chance. That's grace for another opportunity. You will be able to trust again. You you will be able to love again. That's what God told me. And just like the prophet Samuel, I was like, God, I'm I'm nervous. And then he said, go, there's another. What What if my past catch up with me and kill me? Samuel was afraid that Saul would find out about him anointing another king and kill him. Kind of like we're afraid that the humiliation of our past and the shame of it all will eventually kill us. Like we're afraid that one day we're going to crack up and you need to stop buying into the lie of the devil. You're not going to die. You're going to live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. I was afraid. I just because I had people, well-intended people telling me, P.E. sit down. It's going to come out sideways and you're going to lose it. They well intended, but I'm sorry, I cannot bite that. I can't swallow that. I have to keep the mindset of victory. And so if you're listening to me right now and you're battling with unforgiveness, remember, it might be that you're weeping over your investment in your friendship or your investment and things you've done for your mom or your dad or things you've done for your siblings and things you've done for your children or whatever you've done, whatever you put in it. Leave that at the foot of the cross. God will anoint you. For another, for another chance, another chapter. See, change your perspective. Understand that you and I both are just thieves on the cross, crazy enough to ask God for his grace to remember us. We can't forfeit a good heart, a right heart, for the right to protect our works or our investment. We'll lose it if we do that. So a part of me smiling and being relentless is understanding that I'm protecting something bigger than what I put into something. I'm protecting my heart for God, my heart for God, and my love for what he's called me to. I rather watch my works never be remembered than to give up a heart that's malleable for God and pliable.
So number one, our perspective has to change. We cannot feel entitled. Number two, we let the works die. Protect what matters, your heart. Number three, remember, you are anointed. If you protect what matters and you allow your heart to beat again, there's the cadence of your heart to beat for love again, to trust again. I believe I'll love again. I told you I'll cry sometimes, but I'm sad. I believe I will. I believe I'll smear that out. Love, lavish love again. I'll pour it out again. I believe, but I'll be a more mature version of myself. I declare that. Because God has anointed me to do it again. And this time, he's choosing the king. For you, he's choosing the opportunities. I don't know where you are in life. You know, we just have these chats. I don't know where you are. But if God walked through betrayal, he he ultimately knew that this was going to be a level of hurt that we were going to need his example on, his example. And so it's laced throughout the Bible, ways to handle this. I know betrayal is tough, man. (laughs) It cuts beyond the soul. It breaks the spirit. (sighs) But God knows how to repair that thing. So I'm alive and I'm relentless and I'm smiling. Girl, dude, go to my Facebook page, Instagram. None of it's fake. Let me tell you, I don't have time to give you highlights only. I tell you the real that sometimes I'm smiling and I'm broken. Sometimes I'm smiling and I'm, I'm upset. Sometimes I'm smiling and I feel some type of way. But there's never a moment that I'm smiling and I'm not in faith. I'm smiling and I'm not relentless and I'm smiling and I'm not believing. And so I want you to not be so hard on yourself. You're not a superhero. But since I've told you, you must forgive. Now I'm telling you how to begin that process. It's going to start with how you see yourself, your perspective. See how we see us. Understand we need that grace too. Don't be, you can't get mad at a rock for not feeling. You want the rock to feel. You want people to come back and say they're sorry. Say, oh, I feel what I've done for you. Well, the murderer didn't feel his need for Jesus. That didn't stop the thief from asking for grace. I'm just saying. They might never feel. You may never have that person to tell you they're sorry. But you do have Jesus. And you do have grace. You too can be relentless. Hey. I declare that you're whole, you're healed, you were healed, you are healed, and you are being healed. If you were blessed by this podcast, I really, and by my story, share it with someone. If this is your first time listening to me, I've told everyone, my story is our story. My story is therapy. My therapy is our therapy. Somebody has to speak the truth. Somebody had to speak it in love. From a place of victory, but from a real, real place of empathy. I empathize. I know what you're going through, but I'm overcoming every day. And I'm a winner, and so are you. Share this with someone who needs it. Get the word out. I'm busy making the devil mad. Not people, Satan. And if you're listening and you will 
have ever hurt me and did anything, I forgive you. I release you. Have a good day. Bye-bye now. Hey there, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. I'm there. Yeah. I'll go to my website at ericaworldwide.com. Join my circle of friends. Together, we can change the world. So glad you tuned in.